Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm getting the ball! Get me the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that itch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money, y'all it for me, bottle keep popping that water Welcome into another episode of 11 Personnel. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Roush, hanging out uh, with Adam Luckett and my new buddy Merle, who's a very nice boy, very he, good boy. He likes you very much, Mr. Roush. I, I, I guess I got a smell about me. I just got some stank on me. Mm-hmm. It, maybe it's the smell of other dogs. Maybe it's the smell of KS Bar. Delicious place to eat. I think eat it's a just meal. that South End stench you got about you. It's it, it could be the my cold hard eyes, <laughs> just staring deep into his soul. He knows that I'm looking for my next meal. He he can he can tell. He can sense it. Dog's got that kind of sense about him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but we're here today at the midway point in training camp. I know it's moving fast, ain't it? Today is the official midway point of training camp, and I was actually I was actually walking on the facility today with Justin Rigg. I was like, man, today's already practice ten. There's only Tim Moore, and he's like, it's flying by, isn't it? He's like, I kind of like it. And it's like, me too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because as much as I enjoy uh, training camp, it's much more fun to see actually what's happening, um, which we didn't get to see anything of the scrimmage that happened Saturday. Um, a scrimmage that – so initially, Mark Stoops said was just okay. After having some time to digest Adam Luckett, uh, I, I think it was better than just okay. That's what it sounded like today, didn't it? Yeah, it's one of those things where, uh, boy, Mark, things are never as good. He'll as always they, be a defensive coordinator. <laughs> he really can't help himself. And you know what though? I can't like I can't blame him. Like I would be the same exact way too. Like I'm a defensive line tight end guy. If the D line sucks, then I'm just going to be upset. Mm-hmm. Which made last year scrimmages probably looked a little bit better because of the defense they had yeah. on the field. I think a big thing with it is. They have really high expectations for this defensive line. And we've talked about how good this offensive line is all camp, and we heard Landon Young kind of say it today, mm-hmm. that they just really got after their ass. Yeah. And they really <laughs> they kind of really dominated did. the scrimmage. I think that says more about what Kentucky has on that offensive front than probably what they have on defense. Mm-hmm. I just think Kentucky is going to have a chance to have one of the better offensive lines in the country this year. I think it's going to – I think if that, if you – Rank all the position groups. I would rank it number one. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to see where you know, Schlarman and Eddie Grant have come out, and Mark Stoops even, that they feel really comfortable about their depth. Mm-hmm. Stoops talked about Luke Fortner, so they really feel really good about him starting at right guard. Nasir Watkins, they feel good about him as a third tackle. Mason Wolf's a guy they have a lot of confidence in, and the, confidence in off the be- off the bench. And now the new reports on Quentin Wilson, yeah, yeah the redshirt freshman. Who Schlarman's, you know, he's the primary backup at center, but Schlarman is moving him around in different right. guard spots to see where he sticks. So on those, I mean, that's that's eight guys right there. So I mean, and that's I think that's, that's really what you want. 
their ideal scenario mm-hmm. is eight and a guy like Wilson who can play any of the interior spots, mm-hmm. um, which that was kind of fun today because I, I, I talked to Strongman and I also talked to Kennard, who Kennard has played every position except center in less than a year. Or, no, I guess he was an, uh, he was an early enrollee. Mm-hmm. But so in 18 months, he's played four positions on the offensive line. And now he's finally at right, and that's probably where they're going to keep him as long as Landon Young's here. Um yeah, I would say so. Once Landon leaves, that's going to be an interesting spot, but I think he you could pretty much pencil him in for that right tackle spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, Wilson, that was a new name thrown into the mix. And as Young said, though, I mean, they did just get after their ass. And what I loved most about it, Luckett, is that Stoop said it was just okay. And then Grant, he had this like, well – we played well, but we only had 4.8 yards per carry, and that's if you take away the big run. And you know what the thing is, like it, the reason why I really love the way he said that is because I'll ask questions like that. I'll be like, well, if you take away that big play, you only got blah, 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 blah. And he'll be like, well, you can't take away that big play. Like, that's, that's happened before. I've done that to him before, and now he's doing that to his players. So, mm-hmm. like, it goes both ways. But also, A.J. Rose, they, I don't think they went – but A.J. Rose had, like, a – Big touchdown run. I don't know what it was exactly. But 4.8 yards of carry, I think the last I checked, Mr. Luckett, that's a first down yeah. every time. It's what Kentucky averaged last year. Exactly. It was 4.8? Their team average was 4.84. It's perfect. Which was seventh in the SEC. But, so seventh. But I think what Grant's getting at, since they don't have Benny Snell, that guarantee kind of back, I think they're worried about those short runs. So I think they're trying to really hammer home that we need to – you know, on every run is important. We need to get as much positive mm-hmm. yards as we can. We cannot be, you know, they talk. We cannot be lenient on the big play. They talked about. They saw a bunch of big plays in the scrimmage, which was mm-hmm. good. But you, that's never something you want to be like. That's the only thing we can get our offense. We still want to be efficient. We still want to be able to move the chains. Mm-hmm. And we, and we heard Mark Stoops talk about how they. The offense had negative plays. Other than negative plays and getting behind the chains, they really played well in the scrimmage. They didn't turn it over, which yeah. normally early scrimmages are just riddled with turnovers. Absolutely riddled with. Now, they still have the pre-snap penalties, which, like, it's first time with live whistles. I mean, I'm sure they've had some guys show up at practice. But, like, in actual semi-game-like atmosphere for the first time, you're going to have some pre-snap penalties. But they didn't have any turnovers. Um, and Terry Wilson completed 16 to 20 passes. That's that's 80% pretty good last I checked. Now, on the flip side, you could say, well, does that just show, like, does that mean that the defense is bad? Well, I would argue that the, uh, yeah, get out, Merle. Yeah, yeah, get out of here. Um, I would argue that you want, I mean, at this point in the game, your offense should be ahead of your defense. Your defense is a bunch of inexperienced guys. So, I, I I see that more as a hey, why, don't be hating. Uh, like of course, the offense should be beating the defense up at this point. Yeah, exactly. With what they have, experienced quarterback, dudes on the line of scrimmage, proven running back, a proven star at receiver, mm-hmm. and then you look at what the defense is dealing with. Right. You know, defensive line we talked about. They've got experience there, but you've got Josh Pascal moving to a different position. There, right. Jack. You have a brand new secondary. You were having you. And you've had two weeks now on the fly to adjust to Devontae Robinson's loss. So, they're really – there's some parts of the defense that are just throwing stuff at the wall, so, seeing what sticks. So yeah. It, it should be expected that the offense at this point in the season that they're a little bit ahead, that right. they should be ahead. And Kentucky – we have got – Kentucky win games this year, they're going to – the offense is going to have to really take a step forward. Exactly. And now I think the part where that Stoops got mad – and he used just the most Stoopsian quote in the history of quotes, and that was, the strength of our team needs to be the strength. Mm-hmm. Which, get that tattooed across my back. That is just, the strength is the strength. Just fantastic verbiage right there, Mark. I love it. Every Just foot, inject that football guy right into my mm-hmm. veins. But I think the, the point was, is the defensive line has played so well that they didn't expect the offensive line to, to create holes. Now, some of that is defensive linemen, if you're blocking a dude, once you – like when, you, when you're going up against someone you know, it's a lot easier to block them because you just you, – you, you feel their lean. You kind of know their tendencies. You, there's a comfort level there. And in the first live setting, if 
DeAndre Square, Chris Oates, or Cash Daniel. One tiny misread, and Mike Edwards and Darius West aren't there seven yards down the field making a tackle. And I think that's the part that we've overlooked probably the most in all of this secondary shuffle is where run support, those guys helped out so much. And it's just hard to foresee a scenario where those guys are – I mean, you're talking about if Cash and Square and those guys – aren't making tackles right away, those seven-yard runs or 20-yard runs or more. It's a ton of pressure on the front seven. Until we see the safeties in action, can they come up and can they be a force in run support? That's something we don't know. That was something last year that, you know, there was a lot of runs that probably would have went for 15 or 20 yards. Edwards and Darius West turned those into three- or four-yard gains. Mm. So it's second and six instead of a chunk play. And then you live to fight another down. So that's something – that we're going to have to watch this year. And that's why it's so important for that front to really get a push consistently and and turn into playmakers. Last year they were just kind of – they set the table, I would say. This, right. this year they need to make stuff happen yeah. up front. They need to create tackles for loss. They need to create, you know, uh, stressful situations for the quarterback. They need to create uh, pushes so where the, the running back has to totally bounce – bounce outside to set to make things easier for the guys that are behind them. And they you could count the inside linebackers, Cash Daniel right. and Boogie Watson on the outside in that too. All those guys got have to be better this year right there at the front of the defense and, and stopping the run because, like you said, you don't have Darius West and Mike Edwards behind you. Well, and, and some of the times when you've got an explosive play like the big, long A.J. Rose run, sometimes it's just a product of scheme. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're in – one or two man free, and you're locked up, and the dude just is slow to reading and reacting. In to week the run. one, they're going to see a running back like that. Callback, callback. If you give him a slither, he can go. He can take it sixty yards. So they're going to get tested right away in, other, in that aspect. And I think other times too, it's just knowing, like being comfortable and instinctual about the angles, and I. That just comes with experience, and they're going to be getting it over the next few weeks in these scrimmages. And that, that at least is the one positive, too, is that A.J. Rose gives them a, a look that they're going to be seeing in the future, an explosive look that they probably didn't get all the time going up against yeah. Benny. And they get the power back, too, with Rodriguez. They mm-hmm. throw him there, too, so they get they're, a good look. He also had a good scrimmage, aside from being a little bit banged up. What else did you kind of take away from everything that was said about Saturday's first preseason scrimmage? Well, I mean, Brandon Eccles, Eccles excuse me, still mm. nursing that hamstring injury that kind of locks Jamari Brown into that starting corner spot. And then we hear today that MJ Devonshire is really making an impact. So – so um, that's 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 a kind of a, both of those were kind of a surprise. Mm-hmm. So that's and that's something to watch out, to watch out for this year. Jabari Brown was a guy was the lesser thought of corner in that class. Yes, Stanley Garner we thought would, would be kind of a guy that was stepped in maybe played right away yeah. last year, and now he's kind of buried on the depth chart, and we don't really know what to expect from him. Right, because and then he was also like a I think they do safety, they do corner, kind of you know, what's the deal ha- with him? But he he's mm-hmm. gone by the wayside for Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it, I guess, I guess it's a good thing we're hearing Devin Charles running with the ones, but it also worries me. That's one where I am like, well, what the hell are the other guys doing? Yeah, I, that's what I want to know. Is he running with the ones at that field corner with Jamari Brown, or is he just merged as the nickel guy? Because that 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 would worry me more. It's a nickel guy. Yeah. Because I feel like like Jordan Griffin. What are you doing, buddy? Like, yeah, that, I, I'm 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 starting to get my. my on a scale of one to ten, on my panic button, it's it's starting to get to about a six and a half on Jordan Griffin. If it started at a four, it's a six and a half. It's creeping up, and if I don't start hearing more this time next week, it'll be hit like an eight. Yeah, I think Griffin that he's just kind of like that deep safety. I think what if I had to guess, it's they're having problems finding a guy at nickel because we've heard Mosley, they're using him there now. Mm-hmm. I would assume they've given Corker and. Asian because Corker was originally the the first one they mentioned. So, mm-hmm. but you're right. This, this is also a fluid. What's sticking as of right now? Who's most consistent? And at the halfway point at camp, guys are going to be hitting a wall about Thursday, and then be this week. Yeah, Stoops uh, prediction. Stoops is going to be mad after Thursday's practice. He's just, he's just going to be mad. Yeah, that's coming. We haven't really had it yet. Yeah, we haven't had it yet. I have a feeling that's going to be happening soon, and then. 
Saturday's the scrimmage where uh, I, I think the way uh, TJ, my, my Kentucky Roll Call radio partner, said there's always a good scrimmage, a meh scrimmage, and a scrimmage from Stoops. And I think the one is, is, is on the horizon because it, it I've, I've got that feeling, especially with young guys as far as like hitting a wall and stuff like that. So. Usually it goes offense has a good day. Next week, the coach will set it up where the defense could have a better day. Mm-hmm. So you kind of create that yin and yang. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, Kirby Smart wasn't happy with his first scrimmage at Georgia. Right. Nick, Nick Saban was happy with his first scrimmage at Alabama. So it's not, you know, it's not the same for everywhere. But very rarely do you see where, you know, a team comes out and has two good scrimmages. Usually that's by design. The coaches don't want that. Yeah. So. Which is kind of hilarious in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know that's. But it's not far until they get into game prep. I mean, we've only got you know another week, week and a half. School class starts in less than two weeks now. I you, saw I saw a tweet that classes started not too long, and I was like, God, that must really suck having to go to class. Usually they <laughs> they set it up where it's Losers. about a week and a half. Yeah, we don't have to do that anymore, do we? Yeah. A week and a half out of game day, so thirty first. So you're looking at the twenty first. So really, like a week, eight days, nine days, maybe, and then then game prep starts. Yep. So. Oh man, time's flying. It feels good, like it. Yeah. We've almost made it. One more Saturday soon without a be, college football soon game. Soon you'll be going to your first Monday press conference, of the football season. Oh man, it'll be good to be back eating some of that Airmark cuisine. Just <laughs> filling me up. It's going to be delicious. Cannot wait. Um, until then, uh, a, a couple other quick things I wanted to bring up on training camp before we move on to some other hilarious hijinks. Around the world of college football and uh, preview the pass catchers, uh, Vince Mara said that Justin Riggs better than C.J. Conrad. Buying it or selling? I'm going to sell as an overall player, but I think there are things he probably does better than C.J. All right, you're losing this round of around the horn. you got to be hot takeier than that. Okay. Like it, come on. I'm selling. Yeah, C- yeah. I- there we go. C.J. Conrad did a lot for this offense. He was very versatile, whether it was in the passing game or blocking. They used him essentially as a glorified fullback a lot of, in a lot of oh, ways. Yeah. So that that's asking a lot if if Rig is that already. I think Rig's going to be good, but I think that's a little. You know, Merrill has been known to get a little. Vince, no, ahead of himself. never, never. Uh, he he's not a hype man. I I could never see him overbowling something. But I do think that. His overall point is that he believes they can be better. Between Rig and Upshaw, they're just better pass catchers. And I think that's something that people got to remember because here's, here's the problem that people get so mad at uh, about not passing to C.J. Conrad. You can't, it's hard to throw it to a guy who's not open. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if he didn't have um, – They played the C.J. strengths, and his strengths were blocking and then occasionally sneaking him out on a pass route. Getting him one-on-one with a linebacker. Yeah. He had to be with a linebacker. They wouldn't put – that's why they never split him out. They didn't want him on a nickel. And what Vince specifically said, I didn't write in the quote because it was clunky, but he's like, if you've got Keaton Upshaw on an option route in 12 personnel and third down, like, he's just going to put you on a hip and go up and make a play because yeah. he's 6'7". Like, dude is enormous. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's where it stands out because both those guys are two or three inches taller than CJ, longer arms. That's a bigger catch radius. So I, I think that's the point he's trying to make is that where CJ might have made a bigger impact uh, long term in opening up holes and for Benny Snell and creating stuff on the offensive line, he wasn't the most dynamic pass catcher. He just wasn't. And now he's catching some passes in the NFL. We saw him catch two passes his first preseason game. Um, and I don't think it's a knock on CJ, but these guys, I think, are, I think, I think there's also a, they're going to have to be used more in the pass game. Yeah. So that's kind of. I think. Too that the coaches are pretty – they like what they have in that tight end room and they just want to get the best 11 on the field. And to do that, they're going to have to have Rig and Upshaw right. on the field a lot together. Yeah, which we're going to talk about. Oh, well, hell, let's just go ahead and get into it right now. Because um, we can say – TJ Carter also, he's becoming the – That was that was another thing I I wanted to bring up. He just – everybody's talking good things about him. He is the – Head, he is the breakout star camp, and it makes me mad like it because yeah, I said it was going to be Hoskins. I just picked the wrong one, you're man. Close. I was you, you were in the right position. Man, I was beeping with my metal detector, and I just I went to the right instead of the left, mm-hmm. and I should have gone to the left. But it's it's 
it's kind of and it's not unprompted too. Like if you just oh yeah random offensive lineman, they're like, yeah, TJ Carter's just crushing it. And it doesn't surprise me though because I I remember like Jeremy Jarman. I think a lot of him a because he was one of my favorite players as a kid. He was just a great natural you know defensive end and. He got a raw deal on that stupid GNC stuff. Yeah, absolutely. God, that made me so mad. But when he said, like, man, this guy, you know, he is – he's got the full package. He just has to put it together. And I think a lot of it for him was from a – where his strength – the strength is the strength for him. And I don't think he had enough necessarily until this year. And now they're saying he's, like, strongest, most explosive dude And they, ca- they had to play him his freshman year so he didn't get that red shirt season, which hurt – Yes. But you look at him now, he's played in 37 games in his he's career. that many? Yeah. So is he, he's a – He's played in about every is game. Is he a senior? Yeah. He's oh a true gosh. senior. Oh, my gosh, man. That's, made, I thought he was a true junior. That's mm-hmm. a bummer. Made 16 starts, so he's played a lot of football. And now he's kind of – I mean, that's right, because that bowl game, he played well three bowl games ago down at the Tax Slayer Bowl. That's right. probably his best game. I think he was right. one of the highest rated guys. He was another guy game. in that – class of 2016 that's turned out to be a really good class Mm -hmm. and he's just kind of slowly come along we thought sophomore year he's going to have a bigger bigger year then we thought junior year he'd probably maybe take a step forward and then he got kind of got caught in the wash because they calvin taylor was playing so well that they had to get him on the field a lot right right but now he seems like a guy that's really lasered in and ready to have a big season and the coach uh, the move of pascal out to jack says really two things. says, one, they might be worried a little bit about Jack, but two, they feel really good about what they have right there at that T.J. TJ Carter spot. So I think the coaching staff is thinking he's going to have a big year, and it, it's apparent that all his teammates are thinking that too. Right. And uh, that's – I like it because he was one of those guys that – not worried to get washed in the wash. Washed in the wash. Lost in the wash. But he 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 checks all of your boxes that you really can for this team and Kentucky like the 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 line that Brad White's used he's told the story and I don't know if we've ever written a post on a KSR that might be something I have to do but Brad White likes to tell the story about when he was with the Colts Robert Mathis led the league in sacks mm-hmm. and then the following year Mathis got hurt they didn't have Robert so yeah that or it was a suspension it was something weird I think he had like. Uh, Something with like his wife getting pregnant. There was something. There was some kind of weird thing where they just didn't have him for a year, but they had more sacks the following year as a team because everybody stepped up. You spread the wealth. T.J. Carter is the person you're spreading the wealth to that you need to to replace Josh Allen. Yeah, he's going to be one of those guys that you're expecting to, you know, get four or five sacks, get hover around ten tackles for loss. Yes, that's what you need out of him. And so far, we're hearing everything we need to see. Now, back to the tight ends because this week. In our pre- we, we took a break from it because we got to watch an open practice last week, and we kind of hit on all the different position groups. So we're going to take a hard look into the microscope um, on Kentucky's pass catchers, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. Where, where would you like to start? Like, yeah. Let's start with the big boys. Let's start with the tight ends. All right. Well, let's start with the tight ends. Uh, I'm a big Keaton Upshaw fan. Some of it is because I'm biased for Lima, Ohio. So, uh, Lima, Ohio is like the big city. Like, like Brooks, my wife's hometown is nestled between Lima, Ohio and Dayton. So, when you're going to the big city, you're going to one of those two. When we went to the movies one time, they didn't have, like, instead of going to, it was Finding Dory, actually. We are going to see Finding Dory, and we couldn't go to uh, the, the small theater that only had, like, four. So, we had to go to Lima and Lima, the hometown of Tyler Eulis, uh, people forget that because he went to prep school in Chicago mm-hmm. and was too ashamed to say he's from Lima. And also the home of Darius West. And uh, Keaton Upshaw's from there. And the biggest concern, I, like, I, I think this kid could be the real deal, Holyfield, if he can just stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, he's had injury issues already last year. Mm-hmm. I believe it was some type of knee injury. and now His was a knee. He's got, he's got the big bulky brace mm-hmm. on now. And then his hammy started acting up earlier in camp. And, that, and I think that's what happened to him in the spring, too. Did you hear that or a shoulder? And it's the same thing with Rick, too. Rick had two weird-ass injuries. He had a lacerated – was it a spleen or a kidney? I think it was kidney, I think. I think he's done spleen and kidney. I think he's had two internal injuries, which is just – how? 
You know, like, that's also, I mean, you want to talk about some shots. That, those had to be rib shots, right? Like coming across the middle. Mm-hmm. God, just absolutely brutal. But those are big guys who deliver a blow, who take a beating, who you need to, you, you got to keep them healthy. And I know the, I mean, Vince said today, I think Big Nick is taking a beating now and he's gotten banged up. So health is my number one overall concern with mm-hmm. this group. Aside from that, I, as Vince says, as a group, you're probably going to get more production out of them than you've had a lot of time for the tight end position. Yeah, and you look, there's only four guys, four scholarship players there. So you're kind of your numbers are thin. I can see him giving Schlegel one. Who, by the way, yeah. Please Google Drew Schlegel and look up his team picture mm-hmm. this year. His mullet is but Schlegel's more magnificent. Of, Schlegel's more your fullback slash H back. He's going to be used for mainly blocking purposes or in jumbo package when they're trying to get some beef down in short yardage plays. But the difference may I think we know what we're going to get from Rick. He's going to be a really good blocker. You can probably pencil him in for about twenty. 21 catches, say, yeah, about 20. Th- two or three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be one of the more dependable players on the offense, I think, in my opinion. You know every every Saturday where you're going to get from him. Right. The X factor in this whole thing is Keaton Upshaw. Because when you see him, you're like, well, that's a Sunday player. <laughs> and when we see yes. him, there's going to be moments early in the season where we're going to see him run some routes and do some things, and everybody's going to be like, damn, we got something here. But it's just going to be consistency with him. Health is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And really, we haven't seen a tight end like that in this offense yet. So we really don't know how they're going to use them. And that's something we're just going to have to, you know, wait and see how they do so far. Uh, but I think it's going to allow them to do a lot of things. They're going to be able to stay in 12 personnel, but essentially play like they're in 11 personnel because they're going to be able to split up shot out wide. Yeah, and if they don't split them out wide, they can do the thing where Rig is like an H-back and Upshaw is the mm-hmm. down yeah. guy. And then you get Rig chipping and then going in the flat with like Upshaw running like a flag mm-hmm. or a post or something, which, I mean, this is just – I mean, this is – Football porn for me is running a bunch of big tight end sets and running guys out all over mm-hmm. the place. It's what you see in the NFL a lot now. They're well, they're doing it a lot. And I think it also ties in if you've got some big dudes in the middle, there's a lot of focus on them, and you can just slip a guy. You can slip AJ Rose out in a little flare, mm-hmm. and he can bust it. And I just gotta say it, it's hilarious watching you trying to get this dog hair out of your mouth no, right no. now. It is. <laughs> Look, it has a Merle hair in his mouth, and it's it's been a solid like five minutes of him trying to figure out where that exact piece is. I think I got it now. Okay, because that's it's tough because you know you 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 think you got it, and then you're scraping the tongue, and and then you get another one in there. It can just it can be difficult. Yeah, it's no fun. It's dog problems. Um, but I I think one reason too why people are so bullish on the tight ends though. I think some of it's the yin and yang with the uncertainty at wide receiver, especially after Isaiah episode down. Yeah. I mean, because – Well, wide receiver is still – it's Bowden, and then what else do we got? Yeah. We're not going to really know. Oh, ooh, you know what I just thought of too? Big tight ends blocking on screens downfield. Yeah. I think we if fans too, um, like this is just me, just ta-da, uh, screen game, folks. I mean, Grand shared that stat last year where they missed 15 bubbles. They're going to be do a lot of just quick getting to Bowden's hands right away. But Rose I think too. They're, I think they're going to do a lot with him, trying to get him out on some screens and get him some who, space. Who AJ Rose. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? Those can be a well executed, especially a middle screen, can be just such a thing of beauty because just watching the defensive end, watching a defensive lineman think that he's getting through scot free to the quarterback only to realize like oh damn it it was a screen the whole time like that's just it's it's so hilarious to watch on a perfectly executed middle screen and I, I like having big tight ends who can move well getting out there because I mean Landon Young moves and those guys move pretty well but not as well as a, a tight end mm-hmm. and it puts defensive play callers in a bind because if you're running 12 personnel a lot, you're not going to want to get out of base because you're afraid of the power run game. Mm-hmm. But then if you've got a guy that's versatile like Keaton Upshaw that can split out, then you're going then you're going to be itching to 
get an extra defensive back out there to get nickel. So it really it it's an advantage to the offense if you can do it. Yeah, if you if you can pull it off and still get mm-hmm. quote unquote playmaking out of your tight ends, mm-hmm. and you know I don't mean like exploding for big run, but twelve yards mm-hmm. chunk plays. And that's exactly what this offense is looking for. It's chunk plays. First scrimmage, we got some of that. The biggest person who's going to create chunk plays all year, though, is Len Bowden, who Mm -hmm. it's it's going to come down to a matter of you can't give him the ball too much this year. You just can't. No, no way. And I I think it's – like it, I, I'm really anxious to see how creative they get with him. Aside from just putting him at Wildcat quarterback, which is it's going to happen, and in theory it's great, but I kind of hate it. I don't know what it is about it. I just I just don't like Lynn Bowden doing the read option. Um, but my my biggest question though, Lucky, I know they're going to do a lot of stuff with him in the slot. How much can they do that and still use him as a deep threat? Because it feels like, I mean, he is the best deep threat right now that right. we know of. He's the best of all everything. Mm-hmm. So, like, is, do you have to balance on how much you just shift him around and try to get him going across yeah. and drag? The biggest thing is send him deep. The biggest thing is just moving him all over the place, lining him up outside, lining him up in the slot, in bunch formations, and just all, di- all different types of things that you can do. Moving him around in motion a ton, giving you know looks where he's maybe lined up next to Terry out of the huddle at running back and then sending him in, in motion, whether it's to out wide or in the slot somewhere and then running something for him. And it's just really creating all of that. And then when you take shots downfield, they scheme them up. They they set them a certain way. They look to make sure how the team plays a coverage, and that's when they're going to go after it. So it's just it's going to be the same as that. But you got to make sure that a couple of those are going to Bowden, whether it's – you know, and you got to find the route. What route does he get open best at? The the ones that we saw, I felt like – I mean, this is just from me watching from the sidelines, so it's a weird vantage point. But whenever teams were in uh, – when, whenever the defense was in, like – I mean, it was just base, cover three stuff. He really did a good job of finding, a, like, the soft spot in that – in between the, the – uh, the the front and back middle uh, outside thirds mm-hmm. where he would kind of just find a way to sneak in behind the line the edge guys the in between area yeah especially when you're going up against you know kids like Jared Casey like you can just sneak in behind him in that flat part of the area and get hit at like twelve ten yards and that's where Bowden's going to be the, he can turn where a lot of guys like Josh Elby he's probably going to be that guy that's going to be really good at intermediate routes. But how how explosive is he after the catch? I don't know. Flynn Bowden can make three guys miss and go 60 yards. And that's going to happen a couple of times this year. And I think that's what is most exciting about this fall is that you can do a lot of crazy things to scheme up for him, but there's just times where just playmaking takes over. Yeah. and I, That's why it's important to getting the ball as much as possible. Because you never know what he's going to do. It's a, it, then you're playing, the, you know, you're playing the odds. And – Unlike, because that was kind of the theory with Boom Williams. I know that was pretty mm-hmm. distant pa- or pretty near past. And like, how many times did Boom like just try to run outside and get tackled for like a loss of three? And you're like, what the hell kind of play is that? But you had to you had to be willing to chew up those take plays, the, take the bad with the good, because there there's gonna be a time when Lynn tries to flip the field on a screen and it's just terrible. It's a disaster. It's gonna happen. But you take the good with the bad because every once in a while he's going to get like 60 yards. Right. But we get to another point. It's that Bolden can't do it all, and they really need a deep threat to emerge. We haven't really – the program hadn't really had a deep threat than Jeff Bidette. Yep. Epps was kind of the guy that they were pushing towards that. Eddie Grant after the spring game t- told us at, in a media Q&A that, you know, that he better, you know, be make plays down vertically down the field or he's not going to play. Well, now he's totally out of the lineup. So now it's, what do they do? Do they have somebody that can step up and do that? Bryce Oliver, to me, doesn't seem like he has the speed to do it. Neither does Alan Daly. Daly, definitely not. Oliver, at least can get 50-50 balls. Mm -hmm. But you're right. He's not 
running past safeties. And they got Ali in a role where they're kind of using him, you know, kind of 15 yards and in mm-hmm. as that possession receiver. But he's a guy that that's got some top end speed. Maybe it's him they try try out there. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, you know a Tay Tay Crooms who's got top end speed. Do they try to throw that freshman out there? So I mean we don't know, but that's something that they have, have they have to find. And that's another thing about Upshaw going back to the tight ends is if he can provide you a guy that can go and catch seam routes twenty yards down the field, it kind of replaces that chunk play you may be losing mm-hmm. from not having a, a deep a true deep threat. Well, and it also you're more willing to say, all right, Josh, I know we've really worked hard on you in this kind of role, we need you to just try to test these guys deep. Mm-hmm. And you can probably afford that luxury if if you have a guy like Upshaw who's reliable um, in the kind of intermediate game, which is where I think they're going to try to use Alvy the most this year. Um, the Man, Tay-Tay Crooms is a guy that they needed last year, though, from a just like – because his body, I don't think he – he just doesn't have – he's so he's so damn skinny. I yeah, he's got to hit the weights. Yeah, and like you can't just put that weight on overnight and expect to keep that same. And he's speed. fast, but I don't think he's that fast where he can just come. Yeah, yeah. and blaze by people. Well, right and now. even like I mean, your your prototypical guys like Rondell Moore, that fast, but also tree trunk legs. Right. Um, and also in the Big Ten, different right. gear. Yeah, and they're different players too. Moore's more of a slot receiver who can occasionally go deep, similar to Bowden. Mm-hmm. But he was more physically built. And you're right to play right away. Yeah. And Crooms is not. I mean, I don't. We don't. Right, yeah, probably, we're not Crooms, to I don't think Crooms spent much time in the weight room in high school. Yeah, he's a track kid. I'm sure he, he's yeah. running track. And stuff. So yeah, like, exactly. Um, you know, it's not a surprise, but it's a shame that he couldn't have already had a year in to where he's got eight, ten more pounds. Then I'd be or a getting bit him, more, or if you would have got him in for the spring, maybe. Yeah, but he wasn't even in for the spring. <laughs> Demarcus Harris was. They like what they seen for him. I don't know what his. Like yeah. running, I, I just – I don't know. Yeah. Um, I like what I saw from Harris on tape, but I kind of project him more to be in the kind of position they have all even right now. It's kind of that – Exactly. Um, that so possession so that's – I mean, wh- another, y- another year, and we're still asking, so are they going to be able to find a guy with top-end speed? Mm-hmm. And they've certainly recruited for it, but you got – you know, you're waiting it out. Um and until the – I will say, we briefly, we brought up Rondell Moore. I've heard Milton Wright is just absolutely crushing it at Purdue. So, it might be another one, like – If Sindelar can get on the ball, they should be – I think I think Sindelar's all right. Can I just say, too, that it's funny. Like, my brother had kind of a rivalry with him. They were the same age. Mm-hmm. And – which is crazy that Sindelar still has, I think, two years of eligibility because of injuries. Right. Um and my brother's – this will be his second year out of football. But they were the same age in high school. And Sindelar knocked him out one year. And it was a hell of a game. Caldwell came – they had a running back too, and I don't know where that kid ended up at. He was really talented too. Uh, I think he ended up at Illinois maybe. Really good running back. But Caldwell County beats in the first year. Uh, my brother's junior year. Great game. Um, and then the second year, uh, my, my brother's senior year, Caldwell loses in the Final Four, and Sindelar gets, like, some award after the state championship. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, uh, how come you aren't in full pads, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> and they won state championship. But it is just wild that Sindelar is still playing. Um, big R. Purdue plays on a Friday night. Man, that's going to be such a great weekend, Luckett. I'm so happy. And UK's got the noon kickoff. We get to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I'm tailgating for the Louisville game. I don't know if I'm going to go in. Because if they're selling face value, hell no, I'm not spending $90 to watch Cardinals play. But if it's like 20 30 bucks to take it to get in, I might as well go watch Notre Dame kick I'm, their I'm ass. I'm sure you'll find a way to weasel in there. Oh, there. yeah, come on. It ain't that hard. It's Louisville, for Christ's sakes. Like, when was the last time you had to pay to go to something to the University of Louisville? Not even, no. yeah, exactly, exactly. Don't, even, don't even answer that And question. if you know a Board of Trustees member. Oh, you can get in. You can sneak right in there. Um, which... I just got to. I just mentioned all those days of football, and it reminded me that you know what we're going to do next week, Luckett, because it is before the first game of the year. What's that? We're doing over unders, season total over unders. I'm freaking pumped. Um, it's it's something I didn't discover until last year, and it's what got me in gambling because the Kentucky line at was it just it was five and a half last year, wasn't it? 
That sounds about right. Yeah, it was the most egregious thing ever. And I didn't realize, like, oh, I'll put 50 bucks down. I'll put a lot of money on it and then just write it out. No, I should have just, like, I should have actually put real money on it, like a whole paycheck's worth, because that was the easiest money ever. And it got me through college basketball season for the most part. There you go. So we're going to be talking over-unders. Um, let's let's get at least a hand. Let's get a handful of piece, just some random ones. I'm sure you'll have some obscure ones. Probably not, like, of the Chris Felica and – uh, Stanford well, Steve. I'll stick with Power Five. Okay, yeah, because like, even the, though it is kind of funny when they start talking about like Georgia Southern and like Texas State and stuff, like that's just it's just funny mm-hmm. to me to like, that's dedication to the game that you're willing to put a chunk of change on Sun Belt football. <sighs> Usually, that's where the biggest, I guess, voids or opportunity voids in the market. I, I guess would be the problem. Kind of like uh, WNBA is where the most money's made by yeah. the Sharps. That's what they say. That, that's what they say. So we're going to help you try to make some money next week. We're not going to be your, 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 your. I mean, we, we free money is our KSR's gambling podcast, but we're going to have some picks and we're going to have some more games to watch. And that's what I'm excited for once we get into the season is talking about other games that are going on. Because um, we can really just get in the nitty gritty. And like, if you're keeping up with, Nick Saban's post scrimmage comments, then I'm sure you're going to have plenty of. I'm going to have knowledge. some takes for us, Mr. Roush. <laughs> you better believe that. Uh, and I'll tell you what else. If you, episode one, we talked about quarterback competitions. Starting to look like right now that Tommy Stevens is going to win the job in Starkville. Okay. It's, which I, I think is a mistake. It's yep. starting to look like. Joey Gatewood may be pulling away down at Auburn. Oh, your boy is not going to get my it. Bo, my guy, Bo Nix. Oh, man. I think that's a mistake. And then we got down in Coral Gables. Oh, yes. One of my favorite quarterback competitions. Tathan Martell. Oh, Tathan. Poor of Tathan. QB1 fame. Bishop Gorman fame. God. Goes to Ohio State. Doesn't really do much. Urban Meyer leaves. Gets the hell out of Dodge, which apparently Ryan Day was like, please leave. And from a schematic standpoint, probably wise too. Cause, right. I mean, Day was doing more, but I think Tathan's. But from a schematic standpoint, he went to an offense that's pretty similar. Yes. And, and, and you, his idea is like, I'm going to be Tim Tebow, but can throw a football. Probably the, the line of thinking. Yeah, something like that. Football Jesus. Yes, football Jesus. That's probably better. So anyway, he goes down to Miami. There's a guy that we're pretty familiar with. Oh, down there, Mr. Jaron Williams. Jaron Williams mm-hmm. out of the state of Georgia. Yep, uh, Central Gwinnett. It sounds about right. Yeah, it was one, one of the Gwinnetts. Yeah. I think it's Central. Yeah. He does a little commitment dance oh, with Kentucky and Miami. It was quite the tap taparoo. He was tangoing <laughs> all over the place. You know, it's like. Um, if you thought recruiting was crazy, if you thought Old Town Road was good, he is the do the two step and cowboy. He was Darren Williams took it to a whole nother level with his line dancing, tapering around in the football recruiting world. So anyway, he ends up in Miami, red shirts last year, then almost transfers. Yeah, and guess who was going to be the likely destination? He was going to come back to Lexington. He was coming back to Lexington. Anyway, they Manny Diaz and offensive coordinator Danny Enos talk him in the stand, and he beats out Tate Martell and Nikosi Perry. He started, I believe, five or six games for Miami last year. He was basically the, like, we got to play somebody. Yeah. So that just shows you you never know. Quarterback's a weird position, and you just never know. Can I say that, A, I'm not surprised because – Williams, like he's of all of the misses that Kentucky's had, especially at court, like like Mac Jones. Um, I I never like part of it was because he just kind of looked like a, a dweeb, um, and he was more of the. I mean, both of these guys really blew up because of camp stuff, but there was also the fact that Jaron Williams played in like really high class football in Georgia. Tom, the quarterbacks Jaron Williams senior year, you had Trevor Lawrence in Georgia. You had Justin Fields in Georgia. You had Emory Jones, who's Florida's backup quarterback in Georgia. And you had Jeremy. And Jeremy. All those guys were, I believe, top 100, 120 prospects in the in the class. So just alone in that state, that's some high-level you know, I mean, competition. That could have been 
the entire SEC starting quarterback. And actually, it's kind of like I'm kind of happy. Like I thought Emory Jones was going to be a lot better too. I thought he was going to come in and take Felipe Franks' job right away. I think apparently he's a little bit of a poophead, uh, kind of like somebody else we're, you know, we're talking about. But dang, that is a murderer's row of quarterbacks. Yeah. And and obviously Williams isn't going to be the best. Trevor Lawrence is a freaking stud. But you have Williams beat out Martell. And then the other guy you mentioned, Justin Fields, uh, Ryan Day is, well, uh, nobody went out and won the job. Which is. Okay, last year we had a guy in, by the name insert of. Insert laugh track. We had a guy by the name of Lincoln Riley come out and pretty much say all of spring and for most of fall camp that Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall are kind of in a dead heat. Yeah, yeah. And he's saying right now that Jalen Hurts isn't his starting quarterback. <laughs> so this is just this is coach speak one on one. They're not Gunnar Hoke is not starting against Florida Atlantic in week one for Ohio State. I mean, Eddie Grand used the exact same quote last year about how he wanted a quarterback to go out there and win it. And the whole time while people were I was like, Well, he's just waiting for Terry to take it to the shift it from third to fourth gear. Or second to fourth. He, he just ready to shift up. And a thing that uh, my sports talking friend, uh, Terry Walker, pointed out too, uh, if you announce your quarterback too early, they can just transfer and they can go somewhere else and use that year to sit out right away. So this could be a situation where Manny Diaz might be putting himself in a a pickle because Tathan didn't show up to practice when he found out, poor widow Tathan isn't going to start, so he's going to sit on his side. He was back today. Oh, Tathan came back to practice. Good for Tathan. And also, that could have been Manny Diaz just testing Tate Martell. How are you going to handle adversity when everything's been given to you in your life? Are you, can you handle it? Because that's 90%. I mean, Steven Johnson, he's not as talented as Tate Martell, but the dude can take a punch and swing one right back. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of being quarterback. It's between the ears. I don't care how well you can sling it, how tall you are, how big of an arm you got. If you've got it between the ears, if you can – recognize defenses and make reads and then just be fearless, you can be a really good college football quarterback. And Well, that's why the evaluation is so tough. Yeah, especially in the camp stuff too. Because it's it's such a – well, I mean, Tate Martell lives from San Diego, transferred to Bishop Gorman. Bishop Gorman had umpteen Division One prospects yeah. on that team. They went undefeated. So he got he kind of got to play with a lot of really really good players and probably made him look better than he really was. Right. And so then he goes to Ohio State, doesn't really do all that great other than they put him in there and they kind of ran wild a version of wildcat offense with him against you know the Rutgers and right, right. the blow other blowouts of the world. So it's the evaluation's hard. I we're get I think the college football community I think they're getting a lot better at kind of evaluating these quarterbacks and really the recruiting work in general, but it's still hard. And so Martell is kind of – he's become the new Blake Barnett. Blake Barnett was a five-star from California, do it all, was a camp superstar, goes to Alabama in the class with Damon Harris and all those boys, yep. starts one game against USC a couple years ago, gets benched, transfers the next week out. Saban goes out the next day talking about – how people are transferring and quitting. It's a thing about our society. Plague on society. Yeah, kids these days. So he goes to Arizona State, gets beat out again by Manny Wilkins, and now he's at USF. He's going to be a senior this year. (laughs) We could be seeing the same with Martell. He said Ohio State couldn't really cut it. Goes to Miami, gets beat out, and now he could maybe get up with Lane Kiffin down in Boca Raton. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically quarterback rehab. But – I think the the other thing that's worth noting too is like, what if Jaron Williams doesn't work out? You know, like yeah, you don't. He could go. Yeah, he could. He could go get rocked. I mean, Florida. Florida he. I mean, against those cornerbacks and against Grantham's defense. Your first oh, ever game against Grantham's defense. That's they're just gonna be throwing things that he's. I mean, you can. As when I was talking to Lane and Young today, it's like so. Like when you were that freshman, what was what was the hardest part? And he's like, I don't care how much people tell you to prepare for you, you don't know until you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen to Jeremy Williams in this game against Florida and Todd Grantham's defense. And who knows? He could get rocked and Tate Martellus come in and save the day, and then all of a sudden he's God's gift to the U. And now we get to see Tathan and his turnover chain all that's over it. the place. But 
And I think that's why this whole situation is the. I think it's absolutely hilarious because the way that now everybody wants to go and do a move and shake everywhere. College football, there's a very thin line for a margin of victory. And if you fold under pressure because one thing doesn't go your way, there's there's still plenty of time to overcome that adversity. And, I mean, just look at Mark Stoops's the, the before last year, before the real breakthrough year. Even the five-win seasons, they were a couple plays away from being seven-win teams. And then in the seven-win teams, they were a couple plays away from being the nine-wins. And that's, and then, but the 2015 was a couple plays away from maybe being a four- or three-win team. It, and see, and that's why football is a beautiful sport, and that's why I love that right now we are splitting hairs over the craziest, stupid little preseason stories. Because once well, We the, need the games to get here. Because well, and, and then once the games get here – it could be one stupid one stupid pass by Jaron Williams where his career goes down the toilet and then Tate Martell comes to rescue. So that's why college football is, is such a beautiful sport. From, in hindsight, from Kentucky's point of view, for me it's really two things. Kentucky missed out on Jaron Williams, but they got a really good backup plan. And Terry Wilson is really set. Good. Yeah, solid backup Entering plan. a second year, we think he's going to take a jump, and then he could be entering a senior year where he's really going to be the best quarterback that the program's had in a long time. And in turn, the other guy you've got coming in, Bo Allen, I'm not saying that Williams was going to be a headache, but the dude who's doing his commitment dance and has his dad and all the people around him being weird, you're not dealing with that with the next guy up in Bo Allen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then from a coaching and evaluation point of view, Darren Henshaw, you know, he's pretty good at these quarterback evaluations. Mac Jones is going to be in the running to start at Alabama next year. Mm Mm-hmm. Steven Johnson was a hit. Yep. A big hit because if they don't have him, who knows what the hell happens. Mm-hmm. Jaron Williams is good enough to start as a redshirt freshman at Miami. And they both, on Jones and on Williams, they got on them before they blew up on the right. services. And that's part of why they committed early. And then they got Terry Wilson. And then, you know, we'll see about the younger quarterbacks. But so far, he's doing he's he's doing a pretty fair job at – evaluating quarterbacks now they missed on some guys you know that that has hurt but they've done a great job at getting backup plans whether it was steven johnson or terry wilson mm-hmm. they've really kind of they've been good in scramble mode and and it's allowed them to succeed and now we're seeing we saw johnson do what he did and they land wilson he's a quarterback for the tim win team so while we're on quarterbacks we're just going to bring up uh something that power fo- pro football focus put out today they they did a PFF ranking of every single quarterback in college football. Uh, you will scroll down and almost immediately find uh, Mr. Puma pass, which it's hilarious that he's 128. Um, really? Quarterback whisperer Bobby Petrino. Read the school above him and the school below him. So it's like Rutgers. Rutgers is dead last. Oh, Rutgers is dead last. It's Rutgers, South Alabama, and then UConn. <laughs> he's behind That's UConn not the company school. you want to be in. No, it's not the company you want to keep. Um, Terry Wilson, for uh, the many haters and losers out there, uh, top uh, – my master is top 25%. Is that right? 46 out of 130? 46 out of 130. So top third. That'll okay. work. Top third, give or take. Ninth in the SEC. Ninth in the SEC, which is – I think we just had him one up of Gary. It was right. It was pretty much in line with, with ours. Now, they're a little bit higher than I think – Garantano than we were, but they're lower on Felipe Franks. They had Franks. Yes. At, I mean, they had Franks and Wilson, almost neck and even. neck. Franks is ranked forty third, and then the guy behind Franks at forty fourth is the guy we just talked about, Blake Barnett. Right. Um, and their their kind of assessment of Terry Wilson is that he takes care of the football and he can take off when it breaks down. Um, anticipatory throws are a thing of beauty, but need to come far more than they did a season ago. Until then, they can rely on. Uh, his rushing ability. Um, so you know, but the biggest thing they say is he's really good at you know protecting the football. And so if he, could, I think what they're trying to tell you is he's really good at protecting the football. And if he can just grow in some of um, some of his passing game, he's got to you know, and you add that on his rushing ability, he's got a chance to do some really really good things. But from a Kentucky state of view, just from the state in general, there was a lot of guys on here. Tanner Morgan starting at Minnesota, I believe he was in the nineties. Elijah Sindelar. Mm-hmm. Purdue. Then you had Desmond Ritter from St. X, Louisville St. X. 
Where's he at? Cincinnati. And he was in the top 30. He had a really, really good year last year. When did he when did, uh, see? I don't. He was I don't, a redshirt freshman last year, but he was injured a lot at St. X. He was the kid that uh, Nagel started over him at first. So it was around that time. I think he was a couple years younger than Nagel. Ooh, speaking of, you're a tiger, right? Yes. Where you get your ass kicked next week? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately, will not be able to make it. Oh man! Fantasy football draft. Oh no! I know. I'm really upset about it. You know what? It's okay. You probably don't want to see another ass kick well, by D Sales Colts. You know they're having a bunch of state championship reunions that night. Well, they they need to so that they can forget about <laughs> that ass kicking they're about I don't to take know about from that, the Sales Colts. Maybe we might have to give an over under out for that game. Oh man, no no lie, I had a friend win like twenty five hundred dollars last year because just saying next guys that he worked with would give him like twenty five points. It's like, dude, don't be an idiot. But. <laughs> That that was fun. Yeah, Jared Garantano is not the twenty first best quarterback in America. Pro football focus. I like your work, but what the hell? That they had an interest. <laughs> the, the biggest takeaway I had from that though was in Garantano's like little paragraph. They talked about how we played against Kentucky. Yeah, they there was the highest grade single game grade of any quarterback last year. So that just I mean that shows you when you don't have Darius you West going against and you're now, reeling. It helps when you it helps when you hit a hail mary and then you hit another. <laughs> I think they hit a couple other yeah, thirty yard did. bombs. Yeah. But but that just shows you that game was kind of a one off for Tennessee last year. Yeah. That was probably the best game they played all season. A freak kind of thing. Um, some quick hitters before we get out of here that I want to mention: Xavier Peters' decision. Probably hear something this week. Um, it's look. The, the other decisions you uh, feel more comfortable about. Cincinnati's right? hit a couple guys cleared for, like, the same thing. Louisville transfer Jordan Travis from pa- South Florida. To Tallahassee. Tallahassee's in the panhandle. Six and hours he, away. Yeah, he got cleared. So, I don't think knock, on, Bobby knock on wood, yeah. but I think he's got a decent shot to get there. And Florida State said ta- – Willie Taggart came out and said Louisville helped with us helped us with this, and that got him cleared. And from all reports, Florida State's been helping with the Right, right. So, it wasn't a Jim Harbaugh situation. Yes. So, so it's looking like it could it could really happen. Yes. Um, the other thing I wanted to hit on, uh, just wide receivers and whatnot, uh, we mentioned health. Big Nick was. I think he was out like today a few days. The uh, other – Chris Rodriguez and Cavassier Smoke both dinged up in scrimmages. I think that's just running backs getting used to getting hit a lot. Um, very few people but are something, as durable it's as It's something so. to keep an eye on with those freshmen. Tisdale apparently did well in his limited role, but it's also he's running with the, the young guys. They're going to mess up. He's going to take advantage of right. it. Uh, other wide receivers, Akeem Hayes, he made some highlight plays. I think the reason why he's going to make more of those now, hard for a, a little guy to do something if he's not – comfortable in the offense and really good, crisp in and out of his breaks. That's where Grant's seeing him improve. Um, but in the the other two I really wanted to hit home that we get asked about a lot, and that's Ahmad Wagner. Right now, Ahmad Wagner and Brandon Echols, I'm just treating everything we get from them as gravy. Yeah, yeah. I expect nothing from them. So if we get something out of them, it's fine. Because, it's, A, in Wagner's case, like, I mean, he is like a—he's an oddity. He's not your typical outside wide receiver. He—he—if he, he would have gone to Ohio State out of because it was kind of Ohio State or Kentucky before he decided I'm playing basketball, they would have moved him to tight end because he's a big guy. Um, so I'm just expecting him to kind of jump ball, kind of get in a niche scenarios. And then in Echo's case, hamstring injuries that linger around. Dorian Baker missed almost a year from it. He came back, I think, after the bye week in 2016. And then he goes out and he makes a game-winning touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown catch against the Louisville. It might just be, yeah, you might just be a guy that get maybe get to the first bye and then yeah. maybe take on after, take off after that. Well, it's what we can hope for. Um, so that, I'm just treating him as gravy. I'm not expecting much. But on Akeem part. Hayes, that other slot role, opposite of Lynn Bowden, Kentucky's kind of made some hay in that – that position the last couple of years. It was mm-hmm. Charles Walker two years ago. Bouvier was the Bou- third leaving receiver right, last something year? Something like that. It was Bouvier last year. And now who we've seen Cleavon – heard about Cleavon Thomas. We've heard about Akeem Hayes. They said they're getting Allen daily reps in the slot. So they're, they're fishing for answers. And that's that's it. that's probably – the that might be the most intense competition on offense right now in camp is who – can't emerge there, and and the guy that emerges is going to get a lot of opportunities. But it's really it's probably only going to be one one guy there that he's going to get the lion's share of the reps. So that's that's a heated battle, and we really probably won't know much until the first game against Toledo. 
<sighs> you don't know until you know. Don't know until you and know. That's the name of this game. And folks, you've almost done it. One more Saturday without college football. Just, I think you can. I think you can. We're halfway Just through. Plow camp. through. Plow through. And come on, keep listening. Come on back next week. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Trust us. It's 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 only gonna get better from here, folks. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't. Smash it. Thank you, all of you all who've rated and reviewed so far. We've had a lot of great feedback. Oh, all those of you who haven't, uh, please do. Yeah, please and, join the party and, and tell us out. Tell your friends because especially right before football season, I got some. I actually got some stuff I think our listeners are gonna like. Some big stuff like, like actually that will incentivize you to listen. So. Keep it locked here on 11 Personnel. We'll see We're you. Only, we've only just begun.